When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned, Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. All right, Chuck's going to join us coming up in just a bit. We'll talk basketball as Arkansas gets his first SEC win in a while. And we'll talk also what occurred with the NFL playoffs over the weekend. We got our AFC and NFC championship set. And much to his chagrin, Dallas Cowboys not in that mix. All right, Hot Take Monday. And boy, do we have some hot ones this morning. Brought to you by Wheels RV. Five miles west of exit 72 off of I-49 in Springdale, Forest River, KZ, Heartland, Keystone, Alliance, all the best brands, low prices, and a lifetime warranty on every new RV they sell. Wheels RV is five miles west of exit 72 off of I-49 Springdale. Seek, explore, and discover with Wheels RV. How about them Cowboys, Chuck? Well, you know, I knew when Dak threw that first pick in the red zone. It probably wasn't going to be a great day. It's hard to say I'm crushed, guys, because I didn't expect it to happen. If you want to know the truth, I actually thought they uh, I thought they played it a little closer yesterday than it could have gone. I just hope they can find Zeke buried in the earth after that last play where that line, uh, I mean, plowed him on what I guess was going to be a desperation lateral kind of play. But, uh, huh. hey, 28 years now. Wow. Here we go. I thought Zeke was holding him. I thought he pulled him down. I thought, well, man, if this play goes anywhere, they got to put a flag on that. Because it looked to me like he had him on the inside shoulder pads and just yanked him I down. I think he was hanging on for dear life. Yeah, maybe, I mean, but, I don't think he was holding at all. I think he was hanging on for dear life. <laughs> I thought he tackled the tackler, you know, trying to trying to keep him from killing his quarterback. Well, it was not, uh, it was not a play that was going to work. Nope. It was not a play that was going to work. Nope. And um, so, you know, it um, – yeah, you know, that's how it goes. We got good games coming up next Sunday. But, um, you know, I was thinking just yesterday as I was watching the Cowboys how long ago 1995 was. 
I mean, it really was. I mean, it was a long time ago when they last won a Super Bowl, and they were no threat to win it this year, but it would have been nice to have maybe, you know, been a little bit better offensively. What was it they said yesterday? 30 years and 29 years ago since these two franchises, these being the 49ers, the Cowboys had won a Super Bowl. If I'd have told you that in 95 and 96, you said, no way. I mean, after after what we saw in the late 80s and, and a lot of the 90s and the dynasty, basically those two were, uh, Montana, Aikman, all the great players between those two franchises, holy moly, it's hard to... Hard to believe neither one has cracked the seal since then. Yeah, I mean they're um, you know they're traditional franchises, and you know they they were the ones that ruled the roost there for a while. Buffalo ruled the AFC, and the Cowboys and the Niners battled every year in the NFC. But man, that's been a long time ago. That's just been a long time ago. And um, the Cowboys are not a threat to win the Super Bowl. You know they talk about the Super Bowl every year. And they make people believe, at least in the backs of their minds, that it might happen. But, you know, I think Cowboy fans, by and large, they um, they want it to happen, but they don't really expect it to anymore. And I think that's too bad. Um, I think they've they've uh, um, you know they've they've lost that they've lost that edge. They're a show, a great show, maybe the greatest show in the NFL, but. They're not a threat to win the Super Bowl. Chuck, you mentioned when Dak threw that interception. I thought it was all over the Cowboys when this happened. Maher, it is no good. It was blocked. Samson Ebicom, I think, got his hands on it. Now, if you watch that replay, even if it doesn't get blocked, he's missing that wide left. Like, it's going wide left, that initial extra point. Well, they'd have lost 19-13 to 13 instead of 19-12. to 12. You know, if that had been good. You know, that's, that's, that's basically what it was. People make a big deal out of that because of what happened the week before with him. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, again, it would have been a six-point win instead of a seven-point win if he'd made that. It's not like Purdy did things out of the ordinary. He didn't throw an interception. He just kind of managed the game. He made some plays here and there. And Greg Kittle had a fantastic game for the 49ers. But, guys, he didn't turn the ball over. And Dak threw two, and should have had three. Dre Greenlaw, Arkansas' own, should have had a pick six at the Taylor in that game. That ended it right there. Greenlaw brings that in, game over. But Kittle's catch, I mean, holy moly. I mean, it reminded me of like one of them Auburn plays years ago where it just tip, mm-hmm. tip. and Ricardo and, Lewis. Yeah, man. So, I mean, that was uh, that was a highlight reel for sure, Chuck. Yeah, it's a great play. I mean, they made enough plays offensively and let their defense win it. I mean, those are, those are really, I mean, the Niners are a, you know, they're kind of an old-school NFL team. I mean, they um, they win it with their defense. And, you know, I think Purdy's really good. Um, I think sometimes, you know, we get desensitized to how good the great defenses are in the NFL. And if a guy didn't throw for 300 like they do in college, we think, well, he's, you know, he's just managing the game. But NFL game's different. And um, Purdy does exactly what needs to be done within the confines of that offense. And, I think they're going to be hard to beat next week. I think that defense is going to be hard to beat. 12 straight. Now, the Philadelphia Eagles mauled their counterpart, the New York Giants. They had like 267 rushing yards. That's going to be a fun matchup, as you just said. We got the Eagles and the Niners. The Eagles have won a lot of games this season. I think tops the NFL. Niners have won 12 straight. Then you've got another rematch between Mahomes and Burrow. Burrow's beat him last three times. Mahomes has that high ankle sprain which is typically a four- to six-week recovery time. People well, you just don't come back and play through something like that. You hear what Romo was saying about that at the end of the Buffalo game? I missed it. Uh-huh. He said you know, he said he'll 
you're able to get through that game. He said he'll be on crutches till at least Wednesday. He said even if he finds a way to play, it, he'll be such a so so limited in his athleticism and his mobility. Yeah. It won't be the same guy. So Tony Romo sure didn't have a lot of hopes that he was going if he played was going to be really effective. Well, we don't know. I mean, we don't know till we're there. And guys have put forth you know great efforts in those situations and hobbled on one leg and won big games. Now. You know, I, I think Cincinnati's going to be hard to be whether Mahomes is 100% or not. Um, and he's not going to be. But even if he was, I, I'd still you know, I'd still say Cincinnati's probably the favorite in that game. They went to Buffalo, won in the snow, uh, beat, uh, beat a really good team up there in their place, in a place that, you know, a lot of people don't go and win this time of year. And that goes way back. So... You know, that was a that was a really good win for them. I I got to pick the Bengals to win the AFC. Yeah, Burrow starts out throwing that touchdown to Jamar Chase, follows it up with another touchdown. Hayden Hurst. You look up, it's 14-0 Cincinnati, and Buffalo's trying to recover after that and really weren't able to, even at their home place. I mean, it's like you're saying, it's snowing, and you're kind of thinking, oh, you've got Damar Amlin who's sitting up in that press box or the injury room, whatever that is, and all the emotions and stuff, but... That Burrow kid, man, he's a different cat. I mean, well, you know, if you watch TV, you think emotion is what decides games, and you think that that's always going to be the, the overriding factor, and that that's what's going to tip the scales. And um, it was an emotional day for Buffalo, but Cincinnati was a better team. And when you get to this stage of the season, the better team generally wins. Well, what was curious about that game is Cincinnati has three starting offensive linemen that were out, and Buffalo has a good pass rush. And then on the other side, it was Cincinnati's offensive line that was destroying Buffalo's defense line. Mixon ended up having over 100 yards, and really Buffalo didn't get to Burrow as much as I thought they would. That was a weird kind of dynamic of the game that a lot of people didn't expect, but give credit to both trench plays of Cincinnati and um, because they, they dominated that game. Well, these are professional football players. You know, it's not like you're, you know, let's, let's, let's call up a 19-year-old who hadn't played much since high school. I mean, these are professional football players. And so when you go to a backup, you're, you're going to a really good player. So I think sometimes in the pros, and I heard a lot of that conversation too, you know, in college football, if you lose three of your offensive linemen, there's a really good chance you're going to get beat Saturday. I mean, a really good chance. But in the NFL, you're backing up a pro with a pro. And plus, I mean, it's not something that came into play in this, obviously, but when this sort of thing happens in the regular season, well, you sign a couple of guys during the week, sign a couple of free agents. They're professional football players too. So um, Cincinnati, they're a really good team. And Burrow gets a lot of the credit, and he should. But that's a really solid football team because Buffalo's good and Josh Allen's as good as there is. And um, I, I just think Cincinnati's playing at an elite level right now. So Clay was sharing with us. I was unaware that the Eagles, their, I think it's their linebackers coach, has some Arkansas roots. you got Brandon Allen, who's obviously the backup for Cincinnati. So you've got a couple Arkansas connections within these championship games that I know people will be keeping an eye on. They'll, it'll be a fun weekend. I know is Washburn is, at Philadelphia? Is that who he's talking yes, about? Yes, that's who it is. All right, Jeremiah's there? Mm-hmm. That's who that you is. You know, Jim Washburn was a coach here, and Jeremiah played here, and Jim was a longtime NFL assistant and spent a good bit of time with Philadelphia. And I think Jeremiah was with the Dolphins for a while. In fact, I know he was. I don't know where else he's been. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, that's a football family. Uh, those brothers played at Fayetteville High School. One of them went to Clemson. 
and um, happy for him. He's a really good guy from a really good family. So back to the Cowboys. What do you do? Chuck, I woke up to, I mean, just scrolling through Facebook this morning. Every every Cowboy fan on my my feed is ready to get rid of Dak. Dak's only going to take you so far. I mean, this franchise will never get back to a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott is the that was the that was the summation of fifteen or twenty of these posts. Are the fans right? That's certainly the pulse of the fan base. Is that the right move? Is to find someone else to be the quarterback? Well, I hate to say it, but I, I I've said it before. I, I just don't think Dak's the guy that's going to lead you to the Super Bowl championship. It doesn't mean he's not a great quarterback. It doesn't mean that he's not a franchise type quarterback. I just don't think you're going to win a Super Bowl with him. I mean, look at that team right now defensively. It's as good as you've got in the NFL. Uh, they've got a good veteran offensive line. Now, they need more, you know, they uh, they did not do a very good job in getting game-breaking receivers uh, for Dak this year. Um, they piecemealed that together, and I never really understood why, but they did. And, um, you know, Dak did not have the best core to throw to in Cowboys history for sure, but I just think they've got to think about what they're going to do long-term at that position. Um, I just... I, I just think there's too much of a body of work now to say, well, you know, next year's going to be the year. I, I just um, – there's something missing there. There's something missing. And I'm not saying he's not a skilled guy because he is, but there's something missing because that team's got a lot of ingredients. I mean, it's not as though they've, you know, uh, just thrown a bunch of stuff together. They've, they've – again, defensively, they're at a Super Bowl level, but – I'm just not sure they've got the quarterback that's going to lead them to the promised land. They have the right head coach. Is McCarthy the guy? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the guys won. I mean, they won, what, 12 games back-to-back? I mean, he's won a Super Bowl. I mean, it's it's easy to point to that. And um, But, you know, i got to be honest with you. If Sean Payton's on the sideline yesterday, does that make Dak any better? I mean, if Sean Payton's on the sideline yesterday, does that keep Dak from throwing that pick in the red zone? Nope. See, I, I just think that some of that stuff, it's a college mentality, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm saying college and pros are different. I mean, who'd ever heard of that McVeigh guy before the Rams won the Super Bowl? By and large, you know, unless you really followed it closely, you didn't even know who he was. So, uh, you know, I, I think you can win with a guy like uh, McCarthy. I just think that there's probably, uh, there's probably yeah. a better guy out there to be under center if they're going to really, you know, rebuild that franchise. And I'm, you hesitate to use the word rebuild when you win 12 games, but if your goal is to win the Super Bowl, they were not close. Oh, let me let me say this real quick to the, that point, and I don't know if that specific situation holds merit on the interception-wise, but Daniel Jones was the league leader in turnovers last year. Dable comes in after Josh Allen was the league low guy in turnovers last year as his QB coach and OC, and Jones only threw like five picks or six picks this year so head coaches do have an impact I mean I Peyton's McCarthy won that one Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers but I think a lot of Cowboys fans think that Peyton could be the guy that gets him over the top now you can debate what's more important the quarterback or the head coach and I think that's a worthy conversation but I think there's also the idea that Dak is not the one to get this team to a Super Bowl but neither is Mike McCarthy I think those both hold weight this morning. 
Well, I think that, you know, there are probably a lot of people that agree with that. Now, I think in the case of Daniel Jones, I think that was just the natural maturation of a quarterback. I don't think it was necessarily a, a change in head coaches. I think you had a young quarterback who was still learning how to be a quarterback, and just the natural progression is uh, uh, had a lot to do with, you know, what what he was able to do this year. I, I, don't, I don't know that, you know, again, you can – you can put Lombardi. You can bring Lombardi back for the grave. <laughs> put him on the sideline yesterday, and Dak still throws that pick. I mean, I'm sorry, but you know we uh, you know we talk about the head coach a lot, and that's not an unimportant position. But in the NFL, the most play. important guy in the building is a quarterback. In college sports, the most important guy in the building is a head coach. But in the National Football League, the guy that runs the show is the quarterback. And so, when you don't get to where you want to go. That's the first position you got to evaluate. Hey, if you're uh, if you're entering 2023 with the idea that perhaps you're going to sell the home you're in or uh, try to buy a different one, I want to recommend Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company, to you. If you know you need a bigger house now, they can help you. If you're downsizing, they've got the answer. The thing I like about them best, though, is that they're well trained and they understand the market. In fact, they understand it better than anybody else. And when you understand the market, uh, that's when you make good decisions, and that's when you have a good power to negotiate. If you want to use a, if you want to use that term, and that's important in all this because ultimately that's what gets you from contract to close, and that's what they're best at. Whether you're a buyer or a seller, now they've got an office in Fayetteville, they're in Springdale, and Bentonville, Fort Smith, Branson, Missouri. And you can always log on to WeikertGriffin.com. Arkansas basketball gets back in the win column. Joseph Pinion ties his career high as he did against Missouri at home. Here's Coach on what he had to say about Joseph. Joseph Pinion tonight rebounded the ball. He had five rebounds in just 21 minutes. He had four defensive rebounds. Defensive rebounding was a high, high priority coming into this game. It was something that we talked about over the last 48 hours that, that we needed to, to collectively defensive rebound. And, and there's no doubt is three for six from the field that being Joseph was uh, opinion was extremely important to us but just as important defensively I thought he did a really good job I thought he was really solid from a defensive standpoint and loose balls and rebounding are important as well Chuck opinion forced Moss to give him minutes on Saturday well I, you know I think the plan was to give him minutes I mean he he came in pretty early he obviously earned the rest of what happened that day I thought they had uh, several guys had played well. I mean, nobody filled up the stat sheet like Anthony Black. Um, I just thought he was terrific on Saturday. And, you know, Devo's beginning to kick in a little bit. Um, I think he's playing smarter basketball. The threes that he's taken are within the framework of the offense, and that's the thing that I saw Saturday. Pinion helped him a lot. There's no doubt about it. I think he's, you know, we've sort of seen this when the team's playing well. Um, it's not the same guy every night. Um, I don't think, for example, that you know you can count on Pinion to come off the bench in every game and give you 10 or 12. I don't think that's going to happen. Just like I didn't think when Jalen Graham scored 16, he was going to give you that every night off the bench either. But I think all these guys have the potential. Uh, and, and Kamani, you know, he had 7-7 seven and seven the other night. Now, not in this game, but in the one before. Um, I think those are... Um, you know, every four or five games, these guys are capable of giving you a really good night. I think most opinions damage will probably be done in home games. And, um, uh, you know, I just think they're, you know, when you look at what he's done so far, he seems to play really well at home. And he was not a defensive liability against Ole Miss. 
and uh, there will be games where he is. And just like there will be games where other guys struggle. Ricky Council didn't play real well on Saturday. Um, but, you know, there were other guys who did. And so, yeah, Pinion was a big part of it Saturday. He uh, he played really well. You guys tell me if you agree or not, but I think what we're seeing over the last couple of weeks, even though you hadn't won all the games you'd like to win in that stretch, you're becoming a better zone offensive team. You're getting used to the passing lanes, and you're getting used to the rotations and where you need to look. And it's evident by you're getting better looks from the corner, getting better looks from the elbow with a three, I think it's, this is three or four games in a row where you've had seven or eight, six, seven, eight, three-point baskets. I don't have all the boxes in front of me to, to look at the box scores, but you're being a little more consistent with the number of threes you're making in a game. Forget percentage. Guys, I think this is becoming a, a better team because they're they're just more comfortable in understanding the philosophies and what they need to do with, with zone offense. Well, if you go back and look, Vanderbilt, you know, they didn't play much zone. And uh, Missouri didn't play much zone either. They they did a little bit. Um, Ole Miss did more. That's that's you know Kermit Davis has always played a lot of you know two three, and uh, they played you know about the usual amount. I don't think Ole Miss is very good. I don't think they play very good defense. I don't think their zone's very good when they play it. Um, and I thought Arkansas exposed that a good bit. But you know I was uh, um, uh, I'm encouraged by where they are. I, I don't think um, um, you know. First off, I don't know that a team like LSU or a team like you know even even A and M, I I don't know if they're gonna you know if they're good enough to play zone the whole way. And I think you know Vanderbilt, uh, you know Vanderbilt played man the whole way, and you know Missouri played a lot more man than zone. So they're gonna see both. I I just think overall the offense now is getting, you know, there's a confidence factor too, and confidence is a powerful thing with kids these age, uh, kids this age, and. You know, shooting, um, shooting begat shooting, good and bad. Yeah, it just seems like when they are facing zone defense, they're getting better at getting pinion that open corner or Devo that open elbow, like we saw Saturday from the from the wing. Um, that's set up by passing, right? That's set up by the, the the two passes that open that guy up by pulling the the defender over, right? Well, I mean, yeah, they they you know they they did a good job against zone and man. Uh, now, I mean, they're not putting, you know, huge amounts of points on the board, but, um, you know, they're, they're effective enough to win. The thing that I, you know, to me, this story Saturday was the turnovers. And, you know, you look at what Arkansas had done, for example, against Missouri. Uh, the bulk of the turnovers came from the starting guards. And you look at what happened Saturday. Ole Miss's three starting guards all had four turnovers apiece. Arkansas didn't score very much off those turnovers in the first half, not like I'm sure they would have liked to have. But as the game wore on, uh, when they forced turnovers, they generally scored off of them. Uh, I, I just thought there was a real reversal there in what we've seen in the last couple of ball games. I thought Arkansas's perimeter defense was better. Um, I, I just thought Arkansas's guards were far superior to Ole Miss's guards. And I think that's what helped him win the turnover battle. And to me, that was, you know, that was the that was the really important thing that they needed to turn around because you're not going to win many games or any games on the road if you turn it over the way they have been. And, sh- and should have had six or eight more points off turnovers. There were three or four first half possessions. Yeah, they yeah, get turnovers, I, go to the rim, and just don't finish the yeah, possession. Or they back. Well, in. but you, you know that's why I say. I mean, in the first half, they you know they didn't get a lot of points or as many points off turnovers as they could have. But as the game wore on, you look at the numbers in the second half, and 
um, you know, it's a lot more like you would you would be accustomed to seeing, I think. You mentioned Anthony Black's stat line earlier. He has 17 points, 8 rebounds, and f- 5 steals as well, uh, and 8, excuse me, 8 assists. And the cool thing about that is he only had 2 turnovers, a 4-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio. Yeah. That's a lot better. Well, what's encouraging to me, he's been a lot better on defense, too. I, I've noticed him pick it up the last couple of games. There were times he's given up a bunch of straight-line drives, but he's really kind of honed in defensively and that six seven frame, he is hard to score on at times, and the the and I also like must put him in some post up action too. He can use that six seven height some more, and I think they're going to do that as the as the season progresses, where they match him up against smaller guards in the post. Well, maybe so. You know, when you have that opportunity, they recognized and got some mismatches on uh, Saturday, and I'm sure when that presents itself, it will. You know, Black's been better defensively the last two games. He was not good against Vanderbilt. Um, he was not good at all, and I think he'd probably tell you that, and I know his coaches would. Got better against Missouri. You could see the way they competed against Missouri was going to benefit him in this ball game. And um, Now you got to keep piling up these home wins. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I know a lot of you Dallas Cowboy fans are trying to make sense of what happened last night in a 19-12 loss to the San Francisco 49ers. If you want to do that and share your opinion, it's 877-377-6963 as we get into our Red River Dodge Morning Rush Daily question. Who will the Dallas Cowboys move on from first, Dak Prescott or Mike McCarthy? Now, Jamie chimes in, also adding the addition of Kellen Moore. But, Chuck, I'll put it to you first. Who do they move on from first, Dak Prescott or Mike McCarthy? I don't know. I mean, they've got so much money invested in Dak, it's going to be hard to move on from him. But if you ask me which is the most important thing, I think it's um, – I think they've, they've, they've got to make a move at quarterback. Uh, yeah, same thing. M- money is going to probably limit how much you're willing to, to just write off and, and move on from with Dak. And it's like you said earlier, Chuck, the most important person in the building is still the quarterback. Now, that those two things, you've got a lot of money tied up, which is just the name of the game anymore. But you also got to figure out, you know, how far can Dak go? Would a new coach working with him on, you know, seeing the field, not throwing those interceptions, football, whatever it is that the experts say, could just another voice in his ear be the difference in taking him to the next level? Is Dak tradable? Is he a guy that you think would be of value to certain other NFL teams? Well, it's not a matter of would he be valuable on the field. It's a matter of the contract. Uh, that's the issue with Dak. Are there teams out there that would trade what they have for Dak? Absolutely. But the contract is what comes into play. I mean, this is a business of football at that level. And, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, sure, somebody would love to have him. But, I don't, but, but they'd have to take that contract. 
Now, speaking of contracts, everyone always talks about Sean Payton. He, technically, his rights are still owned by the Saints. Is it through next year two, or the following year? Two more seasons. Okay. So, when the Cowboys, if something like that happened, have to pay some sort of substantial amount of money right, draft to get picks, probably. draft picks. Okay. I, I, I get confused kind of how that works in the National Football League. It's a lot different from college and whatnot. I mean, is there another name out there that you think Cowboy fans would be satisfied if they were going to move on from McCarthy? Well, they're going to want the superstar out there. I, I don't, um, I, I, I just don't think that, you know, when you look at their situation, first off, um, everyone assumes that Sean Payton would come be the Cowboys coach. I don't know that he would. I mean, he's interviewing everywhere. He's not real great on TV, so he probably needs to stick with coaching. <laughs> but, um, I mean, there's the assumption on a lot of people's part that, well, of course Sean Payton would take the Cowboys job. I'm not sure it's the best job out there. Everybody thinks because it's their team, everybody's they lined up to take that job. But, yeah, I'm with you, Chuck. Uh, he's going to have a lot of options and a lot of uh, – a lot of places trying to get his service. I just don't know about player personnel decisions, how much Jerry would be willing to relinquish that. I don't know Sean Payton's style, what it was in New Orleans, how much of a say he had with those decisions. But that, it, it always seems like Jerry gets the final call on that, and some coaches are okay with it, and some coaches can't work together on that. Well, Jerry's the owner. I mean, he's he's always going to have the final call. And, you know... That's true in some cases, but some owner, some owners are hands off outside of the business side. He's but, on the football side. Well, we know that he's not, not going to be. Yeah, I mean, we know he that he's not going to be. The idea that Jerry's going to step away. People have said this for years. The idea that Jerry Jones is going to step away from being the head of football operations, whatever, you know, I don't care if somebody's got the title or not. The idea that he's going to step away from that is, is uh, really naive. He's not going to do that. He'll make draft picks from the grave. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that Jerry's going to have control of this team probably long after he's gone. That's just that's that's Jerry's way. So I just think that the the all the talk of the head coach is it's it's a, and and I don't mean this in a bad way. It's it's applying a college football mentality to the NFL. I mean, the guys won twelve games back to back. How many guys are doing that? Guys won a Super Bowl. How many guys have done that? Um, not very many. I mean, the idea that. Again, if Sean Payton had been on the sidelines yesterday, they'd have still lost. They'd have still lost because they do not have a franchise quarterback that is going to win you those games that you have to win at playoff time. I like Dak. I think he's a great story. But he's taken you as far as he's going to be able to take you. Um, guys, they got a Super Bowl defense. That's a Super Bowl defense. Now, they didn't do a very good job of getting Dak a great receiving core. Should have done a better job there, frankly. But um, this is not about the head coach. It's not about Mike McCarthy. It's not about Sean Payton. It's not about Kellen Moore. It's about the quarterback. End of story in my book, anyway. Yeah, if you look at who Dak has thrown to, CeeDee Lamb's outstanding. He's a great young player, and people like Dalton Schultz. But he's the only but, one. And well, I was going to say, if you stack that up against A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, KC has Kelsey, but Mahomes is an underworld quarterback. And then you look at Burroughs throwing it, Jamar Chase, his old college buddy, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Hayden Hurst, and the Eagles, like I said, with Devontae and that. And then who's the other team? And then San Fran, McCaffrey. IU, Debo, and then Kittle. I mean, that's it's not close in terms of weapons when you stack them up against the Cowboys, Tommy. 
All right, that's your Red River Dodge Morning Rush Daily Question. Red River Dodge in Heber Springs, Arkansas's number one Ram dealer. Log on at RedRiverDodge.com. This hour of Chuck Barrett on the Morning Rush is presented by Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Professional people, professional service. Schedule your service appointment today at GoPascal.com. All right, let's talk some more of what we saw on Saturday as Arkansas defeated Ole Miss 69-57. to Guys, I hope Mikel Mitchell's okay. I know that Coach Musselman said he's dealing with something with a foot. Did not come back in after. I mean, I, I know that he's not the first guy off the bench or anything, but that'd be a, another well, blow for this team in terms of the injuries they've already suffered. Showed him in a boot on the sideline on mm-hmm. TV. Now, that's kind of standard anymore. We, we overreact and freak out when we see someone in a walking boot, but that's kind of standard anymore when you have any kind of uh, below-the-knee injury. Yeah, we're just going to have to see how it plays out. I mean, I'm sure he's day-to-day right now. We may get some kind of update today. Might not. But, um, yeah, it, 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 it didn't look real good to me. No. Defensively, they played a lot better. Didn't have a lot of fouls. I know people were happy about that. Uh, Chuck, you were talking about it, the fact that we didn't have as many delays and whatnot. Uh, they had one of those legendary towel practices that we've talked about. We've seen bricks. We've seen weighted. But apparently the, the towels were used earlier this week. And I guess it, it, it also helps that they lost their best offensive player. And Ole Miss is just, frankly, not a good basketball team, too. And that kind of factors into the 57 they gave up. Well, you just hope they build some confidence off of this. And then, you know, LSU, it was a close game on the road. You lost that game. But LSU's for whatever reason, and maybe it's just they're not to the level of the other teams, they're not very good right now. They've lost every game since they played the Razorbacks, I believe. So they, have. they need to right the ship as well as they come into Fayetteville. So it's a big moment. Arkansas wants to climb back into the conversation. Unfortunately, right now, Chuck, if you – we're talking about the tournament today. Arkansas would be on the outside looking in. Oh, well, I think if the tournament was today, they'd get in. I think they'd get in. Um, they wouldn't be. Uh, they wouldn't be a four or five seed. Probably a nine seed, eight seed. I think they'd get in if it was today. But they, you know, they've got to win these games ahead of them, or they won't. Yeah. And you know, this is one of these games tomorrow night that you know you need to win. I, I'm not sure what's going on with LSU. I know, you know, McMahon said that. You know, I, I was reading some stuff in the Baton Rouge Advocate about, you know, they're, they they just seem like they're in a little bit of disarray right now. I know Justice Hill's left the team for a while. I'm not sure what's going on there, but they've, um, they're struggling. But, you know, the way we've seen in this league, I mean, we've seen some crazy things happen early on. So, but, but, but it's a game Arkansas, you know, it, it's a game Arkansas should win in my mind. Speaking of struggles, Brian and Sherwood texting in about Ricky Council struggling, not just in the the game, but really didn't play much in the second half. Was that just a one-off, or what did you notice about his play on Saturday? thought other guys were playing better, just pure and simple. I mean, other guys were playing better. You know, you're not going to have the same guys giving you everything every night. I mean, Arkansas has won some games where other guys haven't played real well. Um, you know, Black played really well Saturday. Devo played really well Saturday. Walsh has put together two really good back-to-back games, I think. Uh, Pinion gave him a big lift off the bench, and so, you know, you had uh, you had other guys performing. Not you know, not as many, maybe not as many shots for him to get. But I, I just thought Saturday the flow of the game dictated other guys, and he didn't have his best day individually. But you know, we'll we'll see how he does tomorrow night. I mean, you look at the minutes and how they were distributed. Walsh getting forty was was really a big lift for this team when Kamani only. Uh, played less than three minutes in this ball game, and then you 
you look down, um, you know, you just look down the list. The Mitchells played less than twenty. What Mackay played twenty one. You get an injury there. I mean, you then Ricky Council, one of your guards, gets less than twenty, like you were talking about. Uh, Jordan Walsh's forty really was, I think, big to kind of balance things out. Well, he didn't have to go real big in this game. You know, they didn't have to go big. Um, like you do in some games. I'm not saying that wasn't an issue or isn't an issue in every game, but it wasn't as big an issue as uh, you know as it is as, uh, in some. I, I thought Ole Miss was watching Ole Miss warm up. I thought they were small. and um, But it was one of those games where you didn't have to do that inside. Now, it, this was really a guard-dominated game. When you look at the stat lines at the end of the game, you, know, you don't always realize it as you're watching it, but you go back and you look at the numbers when it's over and you know, I point to the turnovers for Ole Miss's starting guards. Twelve of their 17 came from their three starting guards. Um, that, to me, was the key stat of the ball game. And defensively, they did look a, a lot better in that game. And Jordan's a per, premier defender as a freshman, and he did it on Saturday, not fouling. That's his key. If he plays, he's going to have an impact. Coach has talked about that all season. He's got to make sure he stays on the floor and not picks up nitpicky fouls. Some kids need you know, a, a confidence jolt. Some kids walk in and I mean, you, you know, you got to pipe them down. They're so confident. Other guys need to, you know, they need to be boosted. And that's part of being a good coach is understanding which kids require what Walsh needs to be boosted a little bit. Walsh needs to be told, uh, uh, he needs to be filled with confidence. Let me just put it that way. I think they've, they've really made an effort to do that. Uh, during the course of the non-conference season and up to where we are now. Um, you know, sometimes with a player, it is as simple as confidence. Not always, but sometimes. And I think Walsh may be one of those guys. I mean, 13-7, and seven, you'd take that most nights uh, from, from Jordan Walsh. But I think it's like you said, he did it this week with one foul. Where yeah. he's come in and he's had, you know, he just had some moments where the fouls that he did. I mean, sometimes you have to foul to stop your opponent. But some of the fouls he's had were unnecessary and just really didn't didn't benefit you that much. I mean, they were just fouls that didn't didn't save points. Joseph's been the, the same way. Those are just freshman mistakes that the veteran guys on the opposing team take advantage of against going up against a younger player, a player that hasn't been in this league, a player that knows how to draw fouls in certain situations. And when we saw I mean, Jordan, I know, hit at least one three in that game. He had a great drive. He's got the best pump fake on the team. He's very sound in the way it looks like he's shooting a basketball. And he has the capability of finishing near the rim. He had an and one during the game. I just think if, if he is on the floor, this team is so much better off at, uh, collectively as a whole, both ends of the floor. Well, if he's playing well, you're right. Yeah. I mean, it just uh... – We'll see where they go. All right, so we go back and we look at the LSU game from last time. Arkansas lose. What was that by two? I think they I think lost three, sixty to fifty-seven. Okay, I think. on on the road at LSU, a game you felt like you could win. Uh, what has to be different this time, guys? I mean, this is the game on your home floor that you want to get back into that tournament conversation the way you want to be. It's the game you got to win. You just got to talk about hitting shots. I mean, they didn't hit Jack against LSU. They couldn't throw in the ocean against the Tigers that game. They did a lot of other things great. They just couldn't couldn't hit anything. They've hit some well, shots lately. I mean, look at the numbers home to road, and it's not that much different than a lot of teams in our league. I mean, there's only one or two teams out there whose numbers on the road are even close to what their numbers are at home. And, um, you know, that's kind of the way it's gone with the Razorbacks and the SEC. All the issues that we're talking about, you know, the, the, the things that don't go right, that's that's been in road games. 
um, you know, Alabama was just better. And, but the other home games, Arkansas, you know, the numbers that we talk about have been it, – it's just been almost a complete reversal. Yeah, I, I wonder a little bit about the atmosphere in the crowd. I don't know how much you guys have paid attention to the forecast, but winter weather's supposed to set in about game time on Tuesday. And uh, you know, that could probably limit how many people are in the building because they're, they're talking about three, four inches of snow in northwest Arkansas Tuesday into Wednesday. Um so I mean that's a, might, a six o'clock game might, might might keep you from having sixteen seventeen thousand down to you know a, a mainly Benton Washington County crowd. Well, we'll just have to see. Uh, I Let's mean, see the weather. It's not going to, you know, it, it's not going to be like Saturday, even if the weather's great. But um, you know, Arkansas, Arkansas can win with ten twelve thousand in there if that's you know if that's how it turns out. I I, I think that. You know, I I thought the crowd was great Saturday. I thought, you know, when Arkansas plays at home, I mean, it's a boost. And the Razorbacks play better when they're at home. But I th- I think, you know, regardless of the weather and the crowd, I think I think they'll be okay. Now, you're right about one thing. Uh, we're going to be paying attention to the weather this week, and that's where my friends at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric come in. They've been the most trusted heating and air company in Arkansas for more than 50 years, and it is going to be a cold week. And, you know, all year long, whether it's hot or cold, you can trust the pros at Pascal to ensure that your system is performing at its best. You can get a heating tune-up right now for $99 a system. And if you want full protection and member discounts, it's only a dollar more per visit. And that's going to make certain, that's, that's what I would call preventative maintenance. That's what's going to make certain that you don't have problems during weeks like these. And, you know, we do talk about heating and air and things like that. Plumbing and electrics part of it as well. They're world class in that too. Professional people, professional service. Call today, visit gopascal.com. You're talking about the crowd. At one point, one of the officials went into the crowd and explained to an older gentleman what was going on. I, I, I didn't, I thought this was great. Help me understand this. Kermit Davis sitting in the corner, either right next to Pinion or in between Black. And I know a lot of fans were asking questions why he was allowed to do that. I'm, I'm assuming Musk does the same thing on the other end, but of course they're pointing You're talking out. about your. You're talking about Kermit Davis being a, a, foot, a couple of feet out on the floor. Like, really, you're talking coaching. about that picture that's circulating right. on right. social media. And Don yeah, Daly, I mean, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just cut to the chase there. Yeah. All coaches do that. Yeah. All okay. coaches do that. That, that, was, uh, that was one of those moments that was you know captured in a still shot. But uh, you look down on our bench, and Muss is doing the same thing. Mm. I saw Cal the other night get teed up. I mean, he practically walked to the free throw lane to pull a guy back out, and they they ended up teeing him up for it. So all those guys do that. Pick your battles a little bit. I mean, but you're exactly right, Chuck. That a still image, and that that's what was circulating around, as though Kermit Davis was like setting a screen on Joseph. He was Pitt. guarding him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's not what happened. But that's you know he didn't have the hands and the eyeballs. No, he didn't have the hands and the eyeballs or anything like that. But, man down, uh, man down. But um, you know. Coaches, I mean, you watch any game. Coaches are going to and, – and listen, the rules committee is trying to get them off the floor. They've given them more space in the last few years by extending the coach's box 10 more feet right in front of the play-by-play announcer, which Chuck absolutely loves. And, uh, you know, coaches <laughs> got more freedom to roam these days. They don't want them on the floor. They want them on the sideline. That's why they've given them more space there. But coaches believe they're better when they're about three feet on the floor that somehow their message – is more clearly disseminated. Chuck, you, you got Well, the- I, I just think it's – I think a lot of it's emotion, too, and competitiveness. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, um, I, I, th- I, think, I think that's got a lot to do with it. 
Thanks. So and I, I think good assistants that have the the courage and the freedom the to do courage. that with their head coach. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, are you? Well, sometimes go you got to catch him, right? I mean, I mean, good assistant coaches will keep that head coach from getting himself in trouble. Keith Smart's kind of Arkansas's guy, and that's he does Arkansas's got Arkansas's got a bunch of them. Yeah, others so, I mean, do too. It, that's the job of a good assistant staff is to make sure the head coach doesn't put himself in a bind out there. Chuck, what's that vantage? You have the best vantage point in the house, so Eric gets the crowd. No, I don't. You don't really know. I mean, no, I don't. <laughs> well, let, hold on. You, you, you can't see Jack when you've got coaches and players and officials in front of you. Well, it's a terrible seat. Just when when Musk gets excited, so they're up, I think, seven with about 16 minutes to go, and he starts getting the crowd hyped up, and then a, I think another break, he starts getting the seat. What's that like? Because that plays out right in front of you. Well, to be honest with you, I'm watching the ball. And so I don't always notice a lot of the things he does in terms of the crowd. If he's right in front of us, we do, obviously. But, um, yeah, you can feel the noise level. Uh, I mean, you can feel the noise level. But, um, you know, that's um, that's a big part of it at every place. I mean, anytime, you know, we do it here and other teams do it at their place too. I mean, you always, at some point, in the game, most of the time, the coach is going to call for the crowd. Must did two or three times. Yeah, and you know the crowd responds. Yeah, they see, they pay attention. That's that's part of that edge you're looking for. So I think he'll do more of that. You'll see him go to that well more as uh, as conference play rolls on at home. Well, now let me say this: I don't think there's anything necessarily strategic about it. I just think his emotions. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, it's it's like we're to run, man. It's time to get going. I don't think he thinks to himself, okay, at the 14-minute mark, I'm going to get the crowd into it. I don't think it's like that. And, and look, the crowd does have a lot to do with it, but the crowd doesn't shoot a shot. Um, you know, that emotion's important, but you got to execute during that emotion, and that's the most important thing. Yeah, and they they did. I know Ole Miss kind of got it a little closer than it was initially was. I think it was 21 points that Arkansas was ahead at one point, and then Ole Miss went on an 11-1 run, but you covered. Like we were talking about an hour one, Tom. And for those that bet on the Razorbacks, they covered on the Saracen app. Well, if you bet, if you took the point, or you laid the points in this case, but uh, uh, absolutely. So, I mean, there, there's maybe starting to put a little stride together. I think the what we're seeing as much as anything, though, is the schedule starting to balance out. You had a difficult yeah. start with a lot of road games. Now you're you're evening things out in the, in the scheduling. Sometimes when we analyze teams, we operate under the assumption that all opponents are equal and that it's all about our team. And it's not that way. I mean, uh, you know, um, yeah, the schedule, you got three straight home games right now in conference play. And if you're going to climb back into it and you look at what's ahead, you can do simple math. Uh, you know, you realize these are games they very much need to win. Yeah. So they'll uh, have another chance, 6 o'clock. Tomorrow night, we'll have Hog Reaction following the broadcast right here on ESPN Arkansas. Hot Take Monday is brought to you by Wheels RV, five miles west of Exit 72 off of I-49 in Springdale. The best brands at the best prices, lifetime warranty on every new RV they sell, on-site storage, full-service department, paint and collision center as well. Everything you need is at Wheels RV. Again, five miles west of Exit 72 off of I-49 in Springdale. Seek. Explore, discover with Will's RV. Uh, guys, a big he storyline heading into this weekend in the AFC and NFC Championship is the health of Patrick Mahomes. Here's Andy Reid on Mahomes' injury. 
We got him out, he got it x-rayed, looked at, taped, came back, and he said he felt good enough to be protected, where he's not going to get hurt. Uh, that's obviously the primary thing, and he felt like his mobility was good enough where he could do that. So we did a few little things with him on the sideline to see where he was at, put him in, and it was a short leash. So if I felt like he wasn't able to handle it, he would have been out and back in Henny. So NFL guys are tough. Patrick Mahomes, just because he plays quarterback doesn't mean he doesn't fall into that category. I, when I think about someone that's hurt their ankle and then played through it, it's Isaiah Thomas in 88 and Game 6 and Game 7 against the Lakers. Somehow, someway, he gutted that out. Guys, a high ankle sprain. I mean, to go up against the Bengals defense, Hendrickson, um, and some of the other outstanding, Hubbard, it, it is going to be tough on him even at home next week. Cincinnati's better than Jacksonville. There's no doubt about that. I think Mahomes will play. Uh, we'll just have to see how well he plays, you, you know, how this affects him. Guys um, guys play through things in these situations, and they got ways to help him do that. I would imagine that will all be part of his preparation during the course of this week. I would expect him to play. I would expect him to play well. But Cincinnati's defense is really, really good, and – you know, 100% or 60%, it's still going to be a tough chore for Kansas City. But there's no doubt. Uh, you know, to me, I want to see what he looks like in the third and fourth quarter. It's football playoff and bowl season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings with 64-inch TVs everywhere, cold beer, delicious burgers, and you-know wings. Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch all the playoff and bowl games. So bring the game and join us this playoff and bowl season at our Conway, Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, and Fort Smith locations. Buffalo Wild Wings, your home for the big games. Roar! Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. Arkansas basketball wins 69 to 57 over Ole Miss on Saturday. Now, there's a lot of things you talk about within the game, but outside of the game, Eric Musselman asked about the status of Nick Smith Jr. There's really no update. You know, he's back in town, he's rehabbing with the trainer and under our doctors. So he's still in, you know, same situation. I know that was asked by, uh, about speculation with him posting that picture with that. But, again, he's back in town. He's with his teammates. But, according to Coach, he's not practicing at this point. Well, classes are starting. And that, I know we, we kind of roll our eyes at even that thought. But, you know, you've got to be enrolled and you've got to be participating in some kind of class to be a part of the team and be eligible to play at some point. So I, I still think that's part of the equation, whether he plays in the – Next week or two or not, I don't know. But the fact that classes are resuming probably is what's brought him back to town as much as anything. Well, we'll just have to see. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what else to say. I mean, everybody, you know, I suspect this is going to be one of those weeks where people talk about it. This is going to be another one of those, is Nick Smith going to play weeks? And, um, you know, we'll we'll probably have that until or unless he plays. And so, um 
I don't know if he's going to play this week or not. I mean, Musk said what he said, and we'll just have to see when he's out there. Got some good news for the Razorback family. Peyton Hillis has been discharged from the hospitals, spent about two weeks there after the family member incident rescuing them from the ocean. But good news that his girlfriend posted. I also saw Emmett Smith visit him. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, Emmett Smith's from Pensacola. Okay. And um, so he was, uh, um, I don't know if he, you know, how much time he spends there now, but obviously he was there and he went and saw Peyton and. That was a that was a nice gesture. I thought that was a cool picture. Got some good news for Razorback football. Trajan Jeffcoat is committed to Arkansas from Missouri. You've had success with Mizzou transfers in the past. Hopefully, Trajan will be another one of those guys. They announced Dan Eno's salary one point one million, uh, set to make set or seventy five thousand dollars initially raised the next two years after that. A little what under Bryles was making guys at one point two. Uh, that's just kind of the. the the figures that came out of the weekend regarding Enos. But it's a three-year deal with two years kind of built in for extensions that are already arranged in the contract. So uh, that's what you always need to pay attention to and look at because coaches, I promise you do it. They're looking at the number of years just as hard as they look at the money. Well, we can talk about contracts and money, but I think for most people, all that matters is are they good next year? Yep. I'd love to have a similar performance as 2015 was uh, pretty awesome for Arkansas football. Uh, last thing here in your hog update, uh, hog pin tickets go on sale today for Rageback Foundation members. So the season as a whole is sold out, but I guess they're doing single game tickets and yeah. they will throughout the season. These are hard to get. If they could put me down for about six or eight for the Tennessee weekend, that'd be great. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I imagine incredible. these would be hard to get. It's incredible. Yeah, you know, you I mean, they're honestly, you've got people that say I, you know, I want to I want to get baseball seats and I'll give you whatever it takes. Well, all we got's the hog pen. I mean, that's just kind of where it is right now and it's um um it's amazing what's happened. I I, I just I, I still shake my head yeah. sometimes when I think about what it once was and what it is now. Yeah, you've seen the whole maturation of this thing. It's, um, I can remember when 1500 was good for the weekend. I remember the first year LSU came here. And we'd been down there, and they had huge crowds. And, you know, in my mind, I was convinced it was, you know, I was young. I was convinced it was the biggest thing going. And then the weather didn't cooperate. And I'll bet we didn't have 1,500 people the entire weekend. And um, it wasn't just at Arkansas. It's It was everywhere in the SEC. But... You know, they, they, they had an influx of money. Some of it was private, and as time's gone on, a lot of it's, you know, been television money and things like that. But I've always believed if you provide a comfortable seat, if you provide a safe environment where parents can bring their children and not worry about what's going to happen, and if everybody's in a comfortable seat, I'll say that a second time, um, I think you've got a chance to build a crowd. And um, they've been able to do that here and a lot of other places too. Attendance all over the league's gone up. That's going to do it for your hog update. It's brought to you by Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888-8-SPARKY. Charlie and Cannon's phoned in. He's got some thoughts on this basketball performance. Charlie, go ahead, man. Yeah, I want to be real quick. Chuck, did you say that, uh, were you implying that Ty causes a lot of trouble at these games and he sits in the bad section and, uh, you know, acts... I don't know where uh, Ty sits, to be honest with you. (laughs) Where do do you sit, Ty? I've sat in the media section. I've sat in the hog pen. I've sat in the seats. been anywhere. But traditionally, (laughs) I'd like to sit in the hog pen with my fellow Ken. 
Yeah, well, Tommy told me that he got to set, and, you know, we're like the normal average fan. We have to, when we buy a ticket, we get to sit up in section row. What was it, 500, Tommy? Uh, yeah. And, uh, and Ty's down there, you know, in that north end zone where everything's newly built or whatever. So, anyway, no, I'm just messing with you, Ty. But uh, this team, uh, a big win the other day, must win. And all these home games coming down the stretch, must wins, I think. And i tell you what, though, Tommy, if they could steal a game at Baylor – on Saturday, if they can, they still got to get through LSU. It's one game at a time. But if they were able to do that, I, I still think it goes a long way. The other day, something that I saw that was impressive was the ability, you know, for us to sit Ricky Council like that the entire second half. You're talking about your leading score now. And it's hard for a coach to do that. But when you, when he always talks about this now, guys, and he makes good points. Sometimes each game calls for something different. And, when you get to sit arguably your best score at this point to this to this season, and you put a guy in that gave him a spark the way that Joseph did, and you, you got to tip your hat to Musk because at the end of the day, he is going to do what it takes to win. And, you know, I hope Ricky bounces back. It's also a message sent to Ricky, like, I got to be better. So, and, it, and it's in every way. So, I'm, I'm still, you know, uh, we're still in it. You know, I think they had it projected as an AC the other day still, so. We're fine. We got to protect home court, you know, and that's just the key down the stretch. I don't see us beating Bama or Tennessee, but we could at the end of the year. We'll see. Anyways, guys, I'll hang up. Listen, yeah. thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. You know, a lot of coaches believe that nothing will harness your focus and open your ears better than a view from the bench. And a little time over there, a lot of times, will kind of get your your ears to work it again and, and harness that focus. I just think it was the flow of the game. I mean, they've won, for example, when Council scored eighteen and. Debo scored two. Uh, they've won when, uh, you know, somebody else scored 18 or 20 points and Pinion didn't play. Um, I just think it was the the flow of this game. And, you know, with the way Debo was playing, with the way Walsh was playing, with the way Black was playing, the lift Pinion gave him, um, you know, this was not a game that, 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 that dictated Ricky Council giving him a lot of points. And there will be nights when the game does dictate Ricky Council giving him a lot of points. But Saturday's game was not one of them. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. All right, it's hour number three of the Morning Rush on a Hot Take Monday. I don't know how many of you expected Devontae Davis to have the game. He did three three three-point field goals once again for the young man from Jacksonville. 
Coach talked about his performance after the game. Let's hear what he had to say coming up. Hot Take Monday always brought to you by Wheels RV, five miles west of exit 72. Off of I-49 at Springdale, the best brands at the best prices. The thing I love is the lifetime warranty. You get that peace of mind, never worrying about anything when you buy at Wheels RV. Five miles west of exit 72 off of I-49 in Springdale. Seek, explore, and discover with Wheels RV. This hour of Chuck Barrett on the Morning Rush is presented by Fieldhouse Marketing, your Northwest Arkansas NIL authority. Fieldhouse works with the athletes to connect them with opportunities that maximize their own potential and benefit the Northwest Arkansas economy. Chuck, I know they told him on ESPN2. I know they told you after the game. Devo sure has been in the gym, and it it's shown the last two games. Yeah, I mean, to me, and, you know, if you were to pick one player and say he's the key to the way it's going to go the rest of the way, I think it's Debo. I think he is the uh, I think he's the leader of this team. I think that if this team's going to make a run, if they're going to get better and they're going to make a run, I think Debo's got to be the one that leads them there. Uh, he is, you know, must made this point that, you know, he's guarding the best player on the other team every game. And most guys don't do it at both ends. You know, both both guys really, you know, most guys really don't. They're good at one end, so-so at the other. But, you know, right now, to do what he's doing offensively the last couple of ball games, and to do it, you know, again, while you're guarding the best player on the other team, uh, it's pretty remarkable. And I, I just think the way he plays, when he's playing well, he affects things at both ends like no other player. And it helps when you're putting in the work, and according to Muss, he's been doing exactly that. I got in today and worked out at, I think I got here at 7.06, and he was either finishing or close to finishing, shooting. His work ethic's been extremely consistent on a daily basis on his own, and I think he's really focused. I mean, I think he's a guy that just the, the, the steady approach of getting his work in on his own has been really impressive, and we need him to continue to play really well on both ends. That's what he had to say about Devo Davis. Chuck just spelled it out. I mean, some guys can play one side of the basketball and not be as effective on the other, but for him to give you an efficient shooting night and, again, guard Morrell the majority of that game, and I know Morrell ended up going out, having to guard Brandon Miller, having to guard a variety of different guys in this league, it's pretty remarkable what he's been doing as of late. Well, yeah. I mean, uh that's exactly right. It's what you know, what we just said, what Must just said. That's exactly right. Played thirty-four minutes with four fouls in the game. That that's the key. Is he he can't be on the bench with two fouls with twelve minutes to go in the first half. Got to play smart defense. Use his feet, not his hands. You got to have minutes out of Debo because you need the offense. But you can only have the offense if he plays well on defense and doesn't commit the fouls. So that's that to me is his first half defense. The things to watch there and not limiting his minutes with two first-half fouls. The thing about Devo, when he gets into his dribbling and stuff, I'm fine with him taking pull-up jumpers inside the three-point line. What he's gotten into trouble at points this season, really early on, is when he was taking contested pull-up threes. When he's in his shooting motion, out of the zone or man, and he's open, you're fine with him taking that shot or contested pull-up jumpers in kind of the mid-ranges game. But now you're seeing, again, him not taking those shots and really shooting threes in the form of the offense, and... That's why I think he's really been on point as of late. He made three of his five three-point baskets, six of eleven total from the from the floor. So, you know, basically half of his of his attempts on Saturday, one one less than half was was from the floor or from the three-point line and beyond. 
Well, he's getting his feet set. You know, look at the shots that he's taken earlier in the season, what looked kind of like wild three-pointers. And look at the ones that he's taken now. Watch his feet. Look at the look at the form. Those are things that, you know, when Musk talks about putting in extra work, uh, those are the things from an offensive standpoint that you are working at. And I, I just thought everything about his shot was, was you know, was better. And, um, you know, again, whether it's zone, man, whatever. I mean, you get your feet set, you got a chance to make it. Walsh is the same way. Walsh is the very same way. When he gets his feet set, he's a good shooter. Yeah. Free throws didn't matter in this game down the stretch because Arkansas had this game pretty comfortably in hand with 15, 12, 15 minutes to go. But 52% shooting from the free throw line, still anything to, to worry about there? Nine of 17. Probably like to gotten there a few more times. Well, I think it's always a concern when you're not at a high level free throw percentage wise, particularly when that's, you know, part of your MO. I mean, you want to get to the foul line. They're, um, you know, it. <laughs> It seems like, and, you know, Tom Murphy and I have had this discussion, and, you know, the numbers sometimes bear this out, and sometimes it doesn't. But, um, you know, free throw shootings, I won't say it's a lost art, but it's not as good as it used to be. And, you know, Ole Miss's free throw percentage wasn't very good, and there have been other games where other teams weren't real good. You'd like to see them shoot free throws better at home, though. That's 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 for sure. In that percentage clip that you're talking about, I mean, they – they're still they were at one point i think 14th they're still at 13th in the league and they had a great shooting performance against missouri they just kind of didn't follow it up like they should have you've got to finish we've talked about must has said the word finishing more than any point in his career at arkansas this team while it wasn't really a game that needed to be finished because it was too out of hand for Ole miss to come back part of finishing is hitting your free throws in crucial situations and They've got to be able to do that if it's tightly contested tomorrow night. No doubt about it. You're exactly right. I still think we, we do focus on the overall percentage, but I'm still interested in how did you do in the last four minutes? Well, how did you do in the last two yeah. minutes? Those are the percentages that matter the most, and that's where you got to be 85 90% or better um, is down the stretch. And this wasn't a game where your opponent was fouling to stop the clock. Arkansas had, had done their job already, but – 52% still, guys, is the number that jumps off the page to me. Well, but again, I mean, it didn't really have anything to do with the outcome nope. of this game. And, and and I'll go back to, you know, the, the East kid from Missouri the other day, uh, the other night. I mean, this was a guy who was shooting, I think, 68 69%, and goes six for six in the last couple of minutes of the game. So, you know, you're right. I mean, what you do in those moments is really what 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 stands out. And um, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing, you know, players need to make free throws and their percentage may not dictate that they will, but a lot of times when they're at home, they do. Yeah. There was a stretch in the first half where, you know, we talked about three point percentage and, you know, making eight, they've kind of gotten a, in a, on a roll here lately, making seven or eight, three pointers a game. That's 40% Saturday, but there was a stretch. I think they went down and shot four, three pointers in a row. Missed three of the four badly, and just you know it was time to quit shooting those. It looked like at that point, but they they found that rhythm again, Chuck. And it was really Devo setting up on that elbow that that, that kind of got him back in that groove, particularly early in the second half. Yeah, I mean you know they're uh, they're not going to make them all, and you know if you miss it in and out or if you throw an air ball, it's still a miss. And mm-hmm. so um, you know they 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 had a trip or two where it didn't work out, but I thought overall they uh, you know they. They played well enough to win the game. Now, is it going to be good enough to beat, 
you know, some of these teams you play on the road? I mean, I don't know. We'll find out. But they did what they had to do Saturday, and they needed that win in the worst way, and they need another one tomorrow night. And, um, you know, I'd love to see them go to Waco and win. That'd be great. Be a good feather in your cap is to, in, in terms of March. But um, I'm concerned with these three home conference ball games. If you're going to get back in this, these are games you got to win. It's a very unique week. You get a rematch against LSU at home, and then, as Chuck said, you go to Waco this Saturday. Baylor's got a huge game tonight as they host the Kansas Jayhawks, number two team in the country. So a lot of eyes will be on what's going down in Waco tonight. But Baylor's a team that kind of struggled like you. They had a lull. Now they've won four straight conference games that are back in the top 25. Guard play is what they have to offer. This is, these aren't exactly two huge teams that you're playing this week. You've got to be able to knock down some shots and, and defend some of the guards that you'll see these next two games. Yeah, well, be- Saturday's game was a guard-dominated game. You know, it sounds like. And, and look, the further we go, the more guard-dominated games are going to be. Saturday's games, I mean, you don't want to get too ahead of yourself because you've got to win on Tuesday night as well. But uh, from a net, I hadn't looked at the, the net since the weekend, but they were 16. They being Baylor being were 16 in the net ranking uh, at the end of last week. So huge, uh, huge opportunity from that standpoint. I know it's a little early to pay a ton of attention to that stuff, but Arkansas needs another couple of big, particularly road quad one wins. This would be, as you said, Chuck, a feather in your cap and would probably go a long ways if things are close and it looks like Arkansas could play their way back into a, a wad of teams here that, that would that would certainly be something to maybe tilt the scales your favor. Oh yeah, I mean you win that game. I mean that's a um, that's a difference in a seed line yep. probably. Um, if you win a game like that, um, and I hope they do. I mean I hope they can go down there and win. But you know you got to get back in this thing from a conference standpoint. If you do that, you're going to beat teams and play teams along the way that are going to help your net. And um, I know people get caught up in that. I get caught up in W's and L's. That's what I pay attention to. And um, if you win enough ball games, all that other stuff will take care of itself. Talk about losses. LSU has struggled mightily since they beat you at home a few weeks ago. Chuck, what do you think is going on with McMahon and the Tigers in Baton Rouge? Well, I just think they're going through a rough patch right now. They've they've not been a great offensive team, and you know he's um, he's thrown it together. And you know Missouri showed, even though Missouri beat Arkansas. The other night, I mean, Missouri got drilled by Alabama, and um, they've they've shown at times the same thing LSU has shown, and it's because these teams have just been kind of thrown together, and um, you know, you didn't uh, these guys that they've thrown together aren't you know, um, you know, they're not four and five star guys. I don't know how else to say it, and so they're doing the best they can in their first year, and um, LSU will probably have some have some you know, periods the rest of the way where they're playing pretty well. But right now they're struggling, and uh, Arkansas needs to take advantage of that. Houston lost at home to Temple, uh, I think, either yesterday on Saturday. That's one of their – I watched it yesterday. Did you? Went back and forth from that in the football game. They've lost to Alabama at home as well. I mean, Bama had just, as you said, drilled Missouri. I thought that game was going to be a lot closer. Purdue's looked really good. Kansas, I know, lost to K-State last week. But to me, the best three teams in college basketball are Purdue – Kansas and Bama. Bama's going to be a one seed. I'd be shocked if they weren't by the time I don't think Kansas is. I don't think Kansas is. I think Kansas is, uh, I think that's fool's gold. Why do you think Kansas? uh, Well, they lost. I mean, they got routed at home by TCU on Saturday. What did they lose by 20? They did not look good. You know, they they lost to K-State the other night. They got to go to Baylor tonight. I don't think they're going to win that game. 
Um, you know, Kansas is good, but Kansas is going through a really un-Kansas-like period right now. And he's got his work cut out for him this year. I don't know if um, I don't know if they're going to win the Big 12 or not. They may, but you know, they're going to have to get the ship right. Kansas the last week or two has really been exposed. I haven't watched a lot of Kansas okay. this year, so I don't have a lot of input on what what I think Kansas is going to be. But I think that league once again is proving that it's 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 pretty oh, it's good. It's a great league, and and Alabama gets matched up with OU in the Big Twelve SEC Challenge. OU's not at the level they thought they would be, so that's probably going to be in this challenge a a fairly easy win for Alabama, I would presume. Where's that game played at? Leave it is in Norman. Okay, I don't think it's going to matter. I yeah. mean, Alabama's, uh, you know, Alabama goes on the road and stomps people. They don't go just, you know, they just, you know, they don't just go on the road and win by one or two. It's and, a Norman, yeah. You know, they uh, they stomp people on the road, and so I would think they'd go to Oklahoma and beat them pretty handily. I would, I would, I would be surprised if they don't. Hey, if you've got a business in Northwest Arkansas and you want to take it to the next level with NIL marketing, I want you to become familiar with Fieldhouse Sports Marketing because they're your Northwest Arkansas NIL authority. If you want to connect your brand with a student-athlete, and there are a lot of student-athletes out there in a lot of places, if you want to get your brand connected with one, Fieldhouse Marketing can help you in that regard. They work with athletes to connect them to opportunities that maximize their own potential, benefit your business as well. Live appearances, social media promotions, commercial production, all kinds of community engagement opportunities. We read about those a lot. Well, if you want to get involved in that, you can call 202-5031. That's 202-5031. You can visit fhsportsmarketing.com. They'll connect you with a student athlete. That's fhsportsmarketing.com. Welcome to the Fieldhouse. So Dak Prescott got outplayed by a rookie last night here's what he had to say about his performance yeah i mean i've got to play better than i did tonight simple as that they're all independent can't take one from the other or think about that but all i can think about is right now in this game and how disappointed it is how disappointed i am in my play how disappointed i am for the guys in the locker room who play their asses off and we weren't able to get it done two interceptions should have thrown three drake greenlaw should have had a pick six at the tail end of that game guys have we seen the ceiling for dak prescott in dallas in, in, I think so, yes. In regards to how far he can take his team, yes. Uh, it, the defense is the only thing that gave them a shot to be in yesterday's game, to have a chance with the ball in their hands with seconds on the clock. So uh, it wasn't the offense that even put them in a position to have a chance to win at the end of the game. That was a defensive throwdown yesterday. Jerry got to go get a wide receiver this offseason. He got T.Y. Hill in that kind of the tail end of the year. <laughs> the fans think he needs to go get a quarterback. That's what the fans That's, think. Now, the fans aren't well, running they've the team, got though. Quarterback, coach, wide receiver, yeah. new general manager. Fireball. There's, Fireball. there's a long list for Cowboy fans. Yeah. But, I, you know, at some point, and in, 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 in the way the business works in that league, is someone going to bite off on, what is it, a $40 million deal? I don't know how many years are left on Dak's arrangement, but you know, there's, he's better than – he's a, see, a top-10 quarterback. He's not a top-five, but he's probably a top-10 quarterback in this league, meaning there's 20 guys or so out there that are 20 franchises that, in theory, would, would trade to get him to improve their position. But that's a huge financial uh, stake uh, to go after Dak Prescott. So I, I think they're stuck with him for a while. Well, and beyond that, I mean, let's say you find somebody to, to take him. You know, if you want to talk like that, I mean – who are you going to replace him with? 
I mean, you know, all right, you trade, you know, you trade Dak Prescott. Well, Cooper Rush. Anybody Cooper Rush, Chuck. Oh, that's silly, Ty. <laughs> you know that's silly. I'm Cooper Rush. No, Cooper Rush is not going to be the starting quarterback for the Cowboys. That's ridiculous. But um, who are you going to get? You know, who's your, who's your, you know, who you turning your franchise over to? Uh, because that's basically what you do when you pick a starting quarterback. That's who you're turning your franchise over to. And, um, you know, Dak may be what they have right now. I don't think they're going to win a Super Bowl with him. But, you know, if you trade him, do you rebuild in that spot through the draft? I think you might have to. I mean, you know, you're not going to trade Dak for Josh Allen. You know, you're not going to trade Dak for Joe Burrow. You got to go out and find the next one of those guys, and that's not an overnight process either. So, it's not as simple as saying let's dump Dak. Um, I think there's the realization now that he's not going to be the one to get you to the mountaintop. But you know, their hands are tied from a contract perspective, and we tend to focus on that. But it's not like there's some guy out there they're going to trade for that's going to be better. So you're gonna if you want to dump him. You're going to have to rebuild through the draft, and that's not going to be easy. Is there a quarterback in this upcoming class that they could trade away Dak somewhere and then buy? I don't or know. Trade you for, tell me. You tell me. You got Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis. Is there anyone on that list? I that think you, you just answered your own question right there. The answer is no. Would you go get a guy? I mean, Jacksonville doesn't seem like a franchise to me that's committed to the long haul winning the Super Bowl. They may talk the game, but. Would they take some money and some draft picks and give up Trevor Lawrence? Would would he no, be a guy no. that would fit? I don't. You know, I'm not saying he wouldn't fit, but I don't think they'd give him up. Oh, I don't think they'd give him up. That's the future of your franchise, right there. It's really hard to get a good young quarterback. There's a lot more misses than there are hits. Well, and, even, and the Cowboys are not. It's not like they're a you know two and fifteen team that they're going to get the number one pick in the draft. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're going to draft toward the end. Yeah, they were one of the last eight. I mean, unless this, you trade up. Unless yeah. you trade up. Right. But the only guy you've got, you know, that you would consider getting rid of that would get you to that point would be Dak. And if you miss once, I mean, if you dump Dak and you miss, you're screwed for a while. I mean, you just are. And you're not going to be – you're going to be worse off than you are right now. So they're in a dilemma right there. You know, and I know fans want to win the Super Bowl. and It's a Super Bowl or bust business. But you were amongst the last eight teams playing, you know. Yeah, but that's not good enough. <laughs> I understand. It's just not. It's just not. You know, if, if in this a division is the Jackson, that had three teams in the last eight, so. they're having a parade in Jacksonville over how their team did this year. Um, in Dallas, they're trying to figure out who to fire, and you know, this is the most profitable franchise in sports. You know, you shouldn't go twenty-eight years without a championship. You just shouldn't, and. Um, you know, I don't I don't see one on the immediate horizon. I think a lot of people hold the belief that until Jerry relinquishes football management opportunity, they'll never get to that point. Well, that's easy to say, and it's a simple thing to point to, and I've thought that at times myself. But, you know, Jerry Jones does know a lot about football. Jerry Jones is not your typical owner in that regard. Um, now, you know, um, would there be somebody else out there that might be better? I don't know, maybe. 
But I think that's pie in the sky thinking. I, I just I just don't think he's going to turn it over. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.